Man, yeah. It's quite a good game for me because it was that or Stardew Valley. And the reason I started the podcast is to stop me from playing Stardew Valley because it just consumed my life. Comments <laughs> made about that from the Hello and welcome to the Temple of Blair, episode whatever the fuck it is. It's a weekly Metal News Roundup show and various other rabbit holes in which we dive down and get lost in and alienate the audience with. Uh, my name's Jim and not with me this week is my co-host Raw. Uh, Raw is otherwise engaged, hunting for treasure or something, and he is not here today, so I'm going to be doing this one solo. Uh, I also got some help from a friend, uh, Jim's friend Tom. He'll be known as which uh, in which we'll be dealing with like the feature later on, but let's not worry about that now. Don't worry, don't worry about it. It's cool. Uh, so let's just crack on with some fucking news, news, news. Uh, let me pull up my notes. All right, yeah, cool. Right, I did some notes earlier, so this is good. This is good. I've done some prep. Uh, new Foo Fighters, right? So the fucking the Dave Grohl gravy train of tedious fucking revelations uh, has begun. And it would begin in the middle of a pandemic. Now, this is problematic for me personally because the Dave Grohl hype train tends to go around the fucking towns and up and down the A1 around about the touring cycle of the Foo Fighters. So they'll be doing like a year-long, 18-month tour to support whatever um, fucking album they've got out this time around. Um, And then when the train pulls back into the station, they fucking put Dave Grohl back in his box and he fucks off for another three years. Great, fine by me. But the problem here is they started in the middle of a pandemic. So this Dave Grohl hype cycle has already started and it will continue until he goes on tour, until the end of the touring cycle. So the sooner we can get out of this pandemic, the sooner Dave Grohl can go on the road, the sooner we can get through the daily fucking social media reports of Dave Grohl invites child on stage, you'll never guess what happens next. And then we can be sure of it and we can just get fucking rid that's that rant however the, they have put out a new song called Shame Shame <clears throat> um, ahead of their new album Medicine at Midnight uh, I'm already exhausted I'm already knackered from this it's not to be fair right against like the last few Foo Fighters albums yeah it's not a bad song but it's orchestrated like an Imagine Dragons song so I'm already cringing and I'm already read, I'm already seeing the car adverts that this song is going to get used on so not a great start, but there's some potential. It's a lot better than um, anything that came off Concrete and Gold. So, you know, congratulations, Dave Grohl, from emerging from his cave to, you know, plague my social media feeds with all the uh, wholesome revelatory things that are going to happen over the next fucking 18 months or two years. Next up, we've got a new system of a down that came out on the complete opposite end, the complete opposite end of the scale in terms of promotion and... and um, social media saturation System of a Down just blasted out last Friday with two new songs uh, Protect the Land and Genocidal Humanoids so obviously uh, System went on hiatus 15 years ago and they haven't well they've done reunion tours and things like that and have been around the block but they've not created new music due to what we can only sort of presume are legal slash contractual disputes uh, that are preventing this from happening Uh, but they've banged out two songs for us um, from last Friday and just reading on the article the funds from the bank camp and pre-orders of the new merch collection will be used to provide crucial desperately needed aid and basic supplies for those affected by the hideous acts happening in the art Artsakh sorry Artsakh at the hands of the current corrupt regimes of the Aliyev in Azerbaijan and Erdogan in Turkey so they've banded together 
to help support uh, relief efforts in their um, cultural homeland. Cultural or literal homeland? I don't know where these guys are from. Either way. They're doing it to support that, which is cool. But it's interesting how it took a fucking literal war to get them to get out of bed and make songs together. And they turned it around really quickly. So I think that's really interesting and really good. In terms of what it sounds like, it sounds exactly it sounds like effortless system of a down. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean like effort as in they're not bothered. But I think like system have their own such a unique stamp on how they create their uh, their songs and their music that it just churning those cogs again one is kind of fresh to our ears as an audience but for them it, it still feels inspired because i guess they haven't been out of the, the gate for a while in terms of new music so they're worth listening to i don't think there's anything particularly groundbreaking but it's still good and it's it's good runway to be running it's good runway to be rolling on before the whole plane takes off so hopefully um this won't be the only instance of system creating new music or maybe they'll maybe a bigger war will happen and they'll make even bigger songs who fucking knows live nation i uh, saw this on doc coyle's twitter feed earlier so live nation ceo we expect live shows at scale next summer live nation ceo michael rapino says the company are working on a roadmap to get back to live safely um and then it goes on for about 150 words about exactly that they're working on a roadmap um to get back to live or scaling up live shows um as soon as possible hopefully summer season in 2021 they're saying i think i'm calling bullshit on that that's complete fucking hyperbole on their part it looks like this was a a conversation with investors and analysts on november 5th via ig mag by the way this is reported on kerrang so basically what this guy's doing is he's telling investors and everyone on the uh all the big wigs down at live nation that everything's going to be all right this doesn't tell us a consumer or a concert goer anything of substance uh, frankly i I'd like to see the roadmap and I'd like to see the regulatory ecosystems in which oh, oh, what are supporting this particular roadmap because what might be good in the United States might not be any fucking good in the UK and so on and so forth. This is just pure con- uh, conjecture to restore some sort of consumer confidence in Live Nation after their weird fucking summer. So if you recall Live Nation a few months ago, um, I think a memo was leaked or was handed around in some capacity basically stipulating that Live Nation uh, changing the contractual terms of their events whereby they can withhold I think it was up to 20% of uh, the artist's fee after an event so this I'm kind of um, speaking in shorthand here I might not be getting this exactly right but that's pretty much the the long and short of it as a knee-jerk reaction to the pandemic and no events happening they were willing to throw down okay guys you're not getting paid 20% of what we originally um, arranged because we want more money so you know, take from that what you will. I think they're trying to smooth that over. They're trying to establish consumer confidence and gigs will come back when gigs will come back. I don't think Live Nation are in a position to call any fucking shots here. And quite frankly, at 10, 15 pounds admin fee, fuck yourself, mate. I hope you burn. <clears throat> in a similar um, trade news, I guess. <clears throat> Spotify offers artists increased exposure in exchange for even lower royalty rates. So this one's kind of interesting. So I think this was in response to the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers petitioning Spotify for better pay per stream, uh, which happened recently as well. <clears throat> so I don't know what to think of this. I think like if the premise of this is 
Spotify are creating an avenue by which musicians can opt in to be promoted more within the Spotify platform in return for less money per stream. It's in theory not good, but in theory good. It seems like a relevant, a relatively equal trade-off. Obviously, I don't know what the numbers are, but the numbers are so minuscule in terms of payment for artists that it can't hurt, right? I guess. There's not a lot of detail here, if I'm quite frank. But really, since we've been arguing for 20 years over the digitization of music and people actually making money off the recorded format as opposed to merch and live gigs for about 15, 20 years, I'm happy to see Spotify just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Unfortunately, in this case, it looks like Spotify are picking up just one turd and throwing it at one wall. So it's not the waves upon waves of innovation which I'd like to see from the platform in terms of trying to get these artists some sort of return. But again, who the fuck am I to say that? It's just... It seems a bit of a shitty deal, but I don't have any alternatives. I'm just glad they're trying something. What the fuck do you want, I guess? So, one more news item for me today. Um, (laughs) I just stumbled upon this. This isn't really... uh, this isn't this isn't exactly breaking news, but fucking Blackmore's Night have come out with a Christmas single called "Here We Come a Carolin," and I guess that's noteworthy because I liked it enough to write it down in my notes. Um, if I can give it a listen, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like that Christmas song that one with the flutes that do 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 do. It sounds like that, but a little lazier, I guess. But I'm I'm gonna bang it on a bit more. It sounds like a right laugh. I'm enjoying it. I'd really, it nearly started me on a Blackmore um, rabbit hole. Uh, I think he has a live album called A Night at York, Night being K N I G H T. And I believe it's just a live album in York, um, which stacks up because it seems like he's doing sort of folk songs, not folk in the sort of sense of Mumford and Sons folk, not folk in the sense of folk metal called Kleine Fintroll. This seems to be like very sort of oldie English kind of songs and sentiment. Um, I didn't think I'd be sat here promoting fucking Richie Blackmore today, but here I am. (laughs) It seems like a bit of a laugh for me, and I might go down that rabbit hole, and I may report back in. So there you fucking go. I've no metal tat this week, man. I'm sorry about that. Um, Raw says he's got something special for us when he comes back from hunting fucking Bavarian Hill Giants or whatever the shit he's doing. But that's it for news. I mean, it's difficult the last two weeks because we've been dominated by um, everyone dying um, and an election happening. So a lot of the news articles this week is literally rockers react. And, you know, let's pay tribute to Van Halen, which are all great things, but it's just it's taking up valuable fucking metal news um, bandwidth. I want more fucking music to come out. And I want more promotion of that that music as opposed to another fucking Dave Grohl fucking hops on a train you'll never you'll never fucking know what happens next anyway fucking hell so by way of feature I haven't really got a feature this week so what I did do is I invited my friend Tom onto the podcast to discuss a couple of things that have been kind of bugging me Tom's more of like a gamer film person so I try and bridge those worlds with a, a, a conversation about that Really, most importantly, one thing that's been bugging me recently is um, I seem to be observing, really. I mean, you've heard me get pissed off about the press cycle for albums and things like that. It seems to me that there's a expectation-setting arm of these companies who control our sort of music and film output. Like, 
someone's asking Lazo Lewitt to go around and say, oh, it sounds like 1986 when a Metallica album comes out. And we poke fun at that all the time, but I'm, I try and get a discussion going about, is that a business strategy? Is it even worthwhile? Why Why is it like this? Why is something? Why does something come out of the blue? And why are some things hyped up over years and years and years, you know, months and months and months, depending on what it is? Um, and I think it just wor- is worth discussing. So that's what I do with my friend Tom in the absence of Raw. But Ayo, um, you should enjoy it. Hopefully enjoy it. If you don't, that's fine as well because I've been pumping out a shit ton of Roadrunner interviews recently. I've been backlogged with um, a lot of unprocessed interviews, so I've been editing those and sending those out. So when this podcast goes out, I'll be in a crowd of a load of uploads to YouTube and Spotify. So I apologize for that if it's oversaturated. But really, you know, this podcast isn't really about trying to catch a wave of engagement or anything like that we're just throwing shit out there as soon as it comes in or as best as we can as soon as it comes in um yeah but if you do have any particular contention with the way (laughs) with how much shit i'm throwing out and how it's been um potentially compartmentalized i think i'm doing quite well i mean the roadrunner record stuff is quite clearly roadrunner records any other interviews and other shit are kind of clearly signposted but if you have any suggestions just fucking let us know man where it's um temple of blair b-l-e-h at gmail.com uh, similarly on twitter and on facebook now which is terrible and i wish i'd never done it but you know you gotta do it but uh, thanks for listening so far and i'll hand you over to my conversation with my friend tom Cheers. Speak soon. Thank you. Thank you for stepping in. It's all right. I won't do no else. No, I mean in reality, um, I don't. I don't want to upset you, but um, you are my third choice because I want to say I wanted <gasps> Raw because he's that's is his is his fucking job, but he's busy today. <laughs> and then I also wanted um, uh, Temple of Bless Superfan Eric, also known as my mate Eric, who listens to the podcast and um, yeah. He said um, that he wasn't on form this week and therefore he thinks he wouldn't do very well, which I think is a pretty unassailable <laughs> I can't <laughs> position. I don't know. You didn't tell me I'd have to be on form. Maybe I should back out. No, but I know um, I know how to rustle your jimmies. <laughs> so you think. You yeah. know who else, who else are made storied company of, or at least at the back of storied company of? Oh, no, that's it. Just... You fucking that's it, you're number three. Congratulations. Number three. All right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Um how I'm gonna I'm gonna just because I've got to stick to some sort of like presentational format, I am gonna try and avoid us sort of descending into what we normally do, which is just like <laughs> just play games and sort of like speak in a monotone. Yeah. Right oh. I want to try and be upbeat about, and jovial. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna ask you about Magic the Gathering because you keep telling me that I need to play it. But I don't, oh, I don't know. know about that. It's, it's in a pretty lousy spot at the moment. Is it pandemic related? I thought there was still a lot of things going on. No, no, it's all digital, dig in it? There's no events or anything like that. So when you play, when I see you on Steam playing MTG Arena... That's, that's the online client for it, yeah. You're legit competing? Yeah, yeah, well... Um, there's like proper events on there, but I don't really enter them. I'm sort of not playing as much at the moment. I prefer to play in person. Uh, for, like, for, uh, context, I... for context, my, my friend Tom is a semi-professional Magic the Gathering player. Competitor. Technically true, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, had, I, had, I had a pro point once. I've never cashed out. So it depends. If you're using their definition of professional, which has now been discontinued, yeah. But if you're using the literal definition of professional, which is gets paid money to do thing. <laughs> let's right, let's let's start there then. So 
you're semi-professional in so if if the official rules determine professional and then there's a conventional professional which gets paid to do it is there a similar sort of like lexicon definition of a semi-professional because you didn't seem to have too much contention with being referred to as a semi-professional there it was more so they used to have a system where you um, at certain events, uh, high enough events, or like, so you could get them through events you had to qualify for, or you could get them through doing very well in big open events, which is what I used to go to. And if you did well enough, you earned pro points, which was like a ranking system. And then if you had enough pro points, you ended up tiers of pro, like uh, bronze, silver, and gold. And if you had enough, it qualified you for big events. But to get into like the major event, I think you needed 20 pro points in one year. And I had one. But we call you a semi-professional because you're effectively in sort of like what the top 500 players in the country. Is that is that a reasonable oh. way of, of quantifying it? I, d- I don't know if I could say that, but maybe. It depends how many people play. <laughs> I was all right. I was fairly handy. There used to be the events I used to go to were Grand Prix, which were two-day events, mm. and you had to do very well. Like to, to get to day two-day events, to get to get to day two, I think you, you were about roughly the top twenty-five percent of the right. people there, and they'd be like, you know, you're talking thousands of entrants. And generally speaking, when I go to them, I make a day two. So, okay, okay, so that that puts in the top twenty-five percent typically. Of the player, yeah, yeah. the competing player base in the country. Yeah, we could go for that. I just don't want you to have like loads of sleeper, uh, you know, big time Magic the Gathering fans mm-hmm. going off on one because I'm picking no, no. myself up. Right, we've got we've got Eric who listens. Yeah, we've got my, uh, my mate Ryan who listens to the Roadrunner stuff. I know he listens to the stuff I do on Roadrunner Records. Mm-hmm. And as I've had my first YouTube comment yesterday Ooh. saying, "I hope this is a long series. I like this." You're the celebrity here, not me. But I thought, ooh, these bots are getting sophisticated, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. what, the, reason, the reason I'm trying to pin you, pin you down in terms of like where you stand in it is mostly just to get a feel for what the ecosystem is. Yeah. Like, really? I take it more seriously. Well, I did when I, I play, again, it's with the current situation. I took it more seriously than a hobby, I suppose. Like I was, you know, I competed. Yeah, yeah. How many drugs have been peddled in these events? Well, these, um, yeah, so you, you said not that much is off limits. There was a big scandal. It had a professional judging body, like a professional group that managed the referees for the game. Mm. And it turns out uh, loads of those were drug dealers and sex offenders quite recently. Right. Well, I was just sort of half joking, but that's interesting. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was sort of no vetting process for it whatsoever. And the company that owns the game don't want to have anything to do with it. It was like a separate body because, you know, then they're responsible for them. They're basically their employees. And, you know, considering what came out that's understandable isn't it yeah you don't be vicariously liable for the actions of drug dealers and sex offenders <laughs> no definitely not right fair enough so what's the what's the state of play now then so when i said when you're on mtg arena is that where the games moved to in the pandemic basically yeah so there is official events on there it's very convoluted and confusing um they seem to the sort of for the changes in competitive play they're doing throw everything at the wall and see what sticks but right. they've sort of just keep throwing things like you know usually that sort of uh, strategy you'd, you'd you'd throw a handful of things at the wall and keep the one that sticks but they're just yeah trying everything constantly but so like proper events will go up on there that you have to pay into with money right and then you can win money uh, if you do well enough but i've not entered any recently 
Right, right, okay. Fair enough. Well, you keep asking me to play. Is that just so you have people to play against or because you think I'd like it? I don't know. It's just something to do, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's because when you play in physical events, you get all these codes to give people cards online. And because I don't have any friends, I've got a big pile of codes. Right, okay. okay. It's like a one-per-account thing, and I was just hoping to get some of them shifted. Well, I, I don't think I've got the investment in terms of time. I mean... <laughs> I've been playing loads of um, Elite Dangerous the last few days just because I've got so much editing to do and it's a really good game to sort of like because my editing process is literally listen back to an interview for two hours or however long the interview was and then yeah. when, I cr- when I cringe pause the game or <laughs> my sp- spaceship as it were and then go and like edit out the bit I cringed at yeah, you said I'll I had to explain to uh, another one of our friends yesterday who asked you to play a game with us and you were like oh no I'm busy editing and then obviously is playing Elite Dangerous just comes up on Discord. I did explain this to him. <laughs> I said, by the way, that when, when I'm editing, I'm just playing Elite Dangerous because I, I can, that's how, how I edit. I need to do something while I'm listening to something and then play back, you know. Yeah. It's quite a good game for me because it was that or Stardew Valley. And the reason I started the podcast is to stop me from playing Stardew Valley because it would just consume my life. <laughs> Fair enough. Comments were made about that from the uh, our associate as well. But harsh words about Stardew Valley. is not a convert, is it? No, he's not. Um, what what does he call it? You say, I think it's because the game itself is sold on... Um, it's sold on sort of its chill value. So like you're really laid back and you can kind of make your own... Not make your own fun, but... It, you're kind of the architect of your own world. There's an RPG element, there's a farming element, and there's a procedural sort of like daily cycle element. But he took the daily cycle element and took that to mean a time pressured, a time pressured like scoring system. Like you, you've got to get everything done as quickly as possible, which is what the game does evolve to. But it's not what he was going for in terms. Yeah, you've got to you've got to try and actively sort of pull away from that rather than lean into it because you lean yeah. into it. It does get yeah pretty pretty dystopian pretty mm. quick. Yeah, yeah. But um, right, there's a thing I did want to talk to you about as a as an as a media industry professional as you are, by which I mean you you go see films a lot. I do. Um, there's something I've kind of noticed across the film industry in the last few years, but I also think there's I'm trying I'm going to try and build the bridge into the music industry, um, mm. and it's all about the sort of consumer expectation and why these um, are these brands that we sort of like associate ourselves with so much are they proactively trying to manage our expectations and to what end? Now that's kind of a hot topic for us because we argue about the last Jedi a lot. And a lot of the, the things that a lot of like the contention around that revolves around the word expectation. So we need to divorce that straight away. Yeah. yeah. Not what I'm necessarily talking. No, about. no. I think, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but by way of example, right. By way of example, there's um, I'll do one on both counts. Right. So if a film in the last Jedi, like, Yoda turns up. It's a great surprise reveal. It mm. was, I thought it was effective, no matter what people say. It, it, the point is, it, it was a secret and it wasn't yeah. revealed prior to. Um, there was Holly Willoughby who said it on like Good Morning on ITV on the morning of the release or something like that. But prior to, in the production, no one knew that Frank Oz was coming back to do Yoda. Awesome. Yeah. But in the last few weeks with the new Spider Man film, they keep announcing and confirming and announcing and not confirming that the other Spider Men from like the other. Sam Raby and the yeah yeah other one are going to Andrew Garfield ones yeah which is weird because that the the reason I think there's some there's something at play like a corporate strategy at play which no one's really looking into is the fact that they chose not to tell us about Frank Oz but they're pushing to fuck the idea that these two other sort of like multiverse and multi franchise yeah you, you don't know if it's like 
slavish obedience to the hype train, which is bizarre because there's no it, it's it's Disney as well, and they, there's no you know Spider Man no less needs the hype than you know Star Wars does. Or mm. the other option is you know it's just people are just bored. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's something there's, to there's, talk it, about. It's it? that. I mean, on on the other side of it, right? So we've got a new ACDC album coming out. Right, and yeah. you know ACDC well enough to know they're a massive rock band from like yeah, the seventies, yeah. and they've they do really they're fucking huge. They've never like let up. Yeah, yeah, sort of album cycle, their sort of promotional cycle. This time around, usually it's an album comes out kind of out of the blue, relatively, and everyone loves yeah. it because everyone loves ACDC, and they're just fucking like, this is great, I love it. Give me more, give me more, give me more. This time around, they're doing they're releasing singles and videos every couple of weeks. And there's a load yeah. of news articles doing the rounds of the older members going, oh yeah, we've got mountains of ideas from another dead member. Like, yeah. And basically really playing up the idea of there's this guy that, di- for, for your reference, the, <laughs> the guy that died was the rhythm guitarist, Malcolm Young, who was like an yeah. essential part of that band. So he died. Um, uh, and, and basically everything around it so far has just been all about okay, Malcolm had these ideas and, and all these things. And we use some of these ideas, but he didn't record these ideas. And it's a massive dialogue about that for seemingly yeah. no fucking reason because everyone's yeah, going to the album. Yeah, it's like completely unnecessary to generate hype or to get people more excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and the same with Metallica in their album cycle. There's always like a few articles which, which sort of dictates, oh, it feels like 1985 as if they're trying to build hype for an album in 2020, which is going to sound like it's from 1985. And I don't understand it, but at the same time, and there's the Foo Fighters, which have also got an album coming out, but the Dave Grohl press cycle is so fatiguing and shit. I fucking hate it. So every time Foo Fighters have an album out, there's always like, there's about a year of Dave Grohl-esque activity on social media, where it's like Dave Grohl invites a child on stage and you'll never guess what happens next. And it's every fucking week because he's just at every show and it just fucks me right off. Yeah, but again, it's like you say; these are all like part of big conglomerates. Who's pushing this agenda at the same time as well? System of a Down, who haven't done any music for fifteen years because of mm. like internal sort of, like, I believe, contractual uh, conflicts. They came out with two songs last Friday under everyone's noses and recorded a video. So there's yeah. clearly NDAs going around. There's clearly the capability for these giant industries to keep things quiet um, and kind of like take us all yeah, by surprise it's, it's like whenever you hear about these things like oh so-and-so got leaked and it like no it didn't it got put out yeah officially or unofficially by you know the people with the rights to access it because these things don't get leaked do they like no you know like like you said with with yoda and stuff like that if you only know if they want you to know yeah exactly but i, I just i just feel like there's an arm of the the the, the business that controls these sort of like brands who are, there's, mm. whose sole purpose is now to control our expectations. Yeah. I think a lot know, of that... Unless it's just like a broader adaptation to the joys of the social media age, but even then, it's you know it's taken a while, that, hasn't it? If that's the, if that's the answer. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I can't put... I always put a pin on it being The Last Jedi. Mm. As if like that took them by surprise, because a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't know what what the what would be musically analogous to that. I guess it would be Lulu, which was a Metallica album that came out in 2011. They did it with Lou Reed, and mm. um, it was like a it was like half a spoken word album, half like a music album. It was a bit fucking all over the place, and everyone said it was shit. But obviously, yeah. I, you know, it was for a specific audience. But I just 
I just, I'm beginning to think that there's some people in suits who are sat in an office now somewhere in America going, right, well, how can we maximize the profitability of this particular product? I know. Tell them that Tove Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in it. Don't you think yeah. that'll ruin it for the audience? Because like the J- uh, Jonah Jameson um, reveal in the uh, Yeah, it wasn't really advertised. Yeah, yeah. And this System of a Down album, or like this extended play, these two songs that came out, was really sort of like, you know, it was really good to have it happen just on abruptly on a on a Friday afternoon. Are you sure you're yeah. not going to just like ruin it for everyone? Nah. No one's going to see that Spider-Man film unless the other two Spider-Men are in it. I just don't... Yeah. It's just bizarre, isn't it? The only other solution is, the rumours about the Spider-Man thing is that it is like a post credit scene that's been leaked. So they're not actually in this movie they're in the next movie and it ends it either ends with their appearance or again post credit they both show up but mm. if it's a case of that and then like you said just some suits decided like oh no there needs to be more hype so we're, we're, we're putting this information out even though it must be completely unnecessary because you know people are going to go sit in droves regardless well that's the just point bizarre being- isn't it I guess it, it speaks to the question, let's assume that this like Illuminati of consumer expectation exists, right? Hmm. I'm calling it that, the Illuminati of consumer expectation. <laughs> it's officially, officially oh, labeled, yeah. I-C-E, it's ICE. Fuck yes. <laughs> right. Oh, no. Let's assume ICE exists. So therefore, there must be a quantifiable value again on hype or perceived hmm. hype of a certain product, right? Yeah. It's got to be. I, I don't but know. We know, but we know that doesn't work. We know that doesn't yeah, work. Well, well, yeah, but that doesn't discount it being employed, does it? And the best example of it not working is uh, like Fallout 4 and Anthem. Anthem was hyped up for ages, yeah? Mm. And then, is it Anthem? Am I, am I, all right, I think one, it is, I think it is Anthem. Yes, it's Anthem. The one where you're an Iron Man. Yeah, I always get them in Apex mixed up. But yeah. no, Anthem. Anthem was hyped to all be all and end all. And then, by all regards, not played it. It was pretty... People were disappointed when it came out. Whereas yeah. Fallout 4, famously, they were like, oh yeah, Fallout 4, and everyone got excited. I'm like, oh yeah, it's out next week. And everyone lost their minds. And it's probably not the best game, but you forgive it because it just appeared, didn't it? Like, you know, it just showed up. You weren't waiting for it for months on end. Yeah, I mean, I we know. could talk about Fallout 4, and it, it, whether it's good or not for, until the cows come home. But I think like mm. the, the point you're making is massive hype up versus no hype up yeah do you think in in the bethesda world they said all right well we know fallout 4 is going to go down well <clears throat> regardless of of um uh what's the word i'm looking for regardless of like hyperbole and, and pretense it's going to do well yeah. so maybe we just treat everyone to surprising them whereas maybe i don't know who did anthem was it um uh it was um bioware oh it was bioware famously was it? did um Mass Effect, but they've been, sort of been... It's, it's EA, isn't it? They've been appropriated. Yeah, yeah. Did they know it was no, someone? Shit. I don't could know. I, could, the, thing is, the, thing about, the thing about corporate business, being in corporate business and doing a fucking great amateur shitty docuseries on big sort of corporate business, no one... Every, everyone who holds the purse strings are extremely kind of risk-averse. Yeah. So if you came to someone and said, and said right, the budget for this project was £100 million... And the promotional budget for this project, it needs to be there for a hundred million pounds. That's kind of the rule of thumb. You get the budget to make the thing and then you double it and that's your promotion budget. Yeah. All right, cool. I can give you, I can, you've already spent the hundred million making the thing. Now I've got to give you a hundred million to promote the thing. Is it Hmm. good or is it shit? It's fucking shit. No, I'm not going to give you that hundred mil. It's as as simple as that. If they're not going to get a return on that hundred mil, they will not 
um, put it out. Again, yeah. it could, it could, I could be chatting bollocks. That's, that's just my experience and my own research. But it, at the same time, though, it's happening. Yeah. Usually, if something's happening, it's because it makes money. That's the uh, easiest way to view the you know the world we live in nowadays. But yeah, I'll be interested to know what the turnover is on that um, that kind of role. Because one thing in my industry I tend to see is a lot of people making a lot of big changes and fucking off before the changes are revealed to be shite. Yeah, yeah, sort of like the hollow, the artificially inflate things to a point that isn't sustainable, get the kudos for how much better are things doing and then escape before it all falls apart. Correct. Or they go into the next job saying, I orchestrated this big infrastructure change, which is not relevant to you in any way, new job, because you'll never see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess in the case of Anthem, you could go out of that job saying, oh, I orchestrated this massive push, £150 million budget for a promotion, and it reached 3 billion people. And that's your metric. It doesn't matter if the game is good or not. That's that's what you're kind of going for. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how you, that's how you, you measure it on your CV. <clears throat> but again, it's just like, maybe maybe that's maybe that's what ICE, maybe that's what ICE sort of like uh, deal in. Uh, individual kudos if you promote it yeah. to ice level of corporate um schmoozery you can't have in for a good gig because you'll get paid not on the substance of your product but on the style in which you deliver it yeah on sort of the hype for it mm. yeah no i don't know it's just bizarre yeah yeah I don't know, I'm trying to think of more music examples, but it's like, it's not the interesting thing about the music side of things is when you compare it with a film, if a bad film comes out, it's because there was like 5,000 people involved and 3,000 of those people fucked up and they didn't share a yeah. vision properly. Whereas if a, a music sort of product fucks up, it's because like maybe five of the 10 people didn't deliver what they wanted to deliver or they couldn't capture the energy properly or they couldn't push it or they couldn't sell it. Yeah. So it's hard to make analogies, but it's the kind of conversations I like to have. Like, uh, I want to know why Metallica think it's valuable for Lars Ulrich to go around and say, yeah, there's some riffs from 1982 in here when I don't give a shit. And I'm actually there, I'm actually their, their demographic in terms of like, could am I going to buy this Metallica album or not? I'm on the fence. And telling me that, that you've got riffs from 1982 isn't going to sell it for me. Maybe again, it sells it to someone else. So maybe somewhere there's like, you know, the historical riff appreciation society. Yeah, maybe maybe it's the target outside the demographic, but then it doesn't hold true for the, the examples of like Spider Man's because more Spider Man's only appears to people who want the initial amount of Spider Man's, doesn't it? So <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless they're making a presumption that because we are Raimi Spider Man people, we therefore uh, don't like Holland. Yeah, that's not true. It's not true. Maybe. Though, yeah, but, I, mean, I think you've already got that overlap, haven't you? So yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think even people who don't like the Amazing Spider-Man um, the, the old, don't mind Andrew Garfield mm. in the role. The only you? other suggestion is it's that's we're talking specifically about Spider-Man's now is yeah, yeah. Um, because of the success of the the animated one, the end of the Spider-Verse. True, but then True. again, Disney and Marvel aren't usually that bad for you know just trying to straight copy someone else. No, no, especially when they're sharing contracts and stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's an interesting one. So to conclude on this particular topic, I believe ICE exists 
the Illuminati of consumer expectation and they're really throwing shit at the wall and trying to see what sticks, but it's not really working because hype doesn't sell things. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, I just, think gets, it just gets people angry and disappointed, but it must be generating some income somewhere or it wouldn't be well, happening, would it? That, I think it's only benefiting those who can measure the output of generating hype. And mm. that's a very small subset of people in an industry um, of you know, thousands upon thousands of people, I think. Yeah. That's one theory anyway. The theory that a secret society is pulling the strings and making it happen for an indeterminable reason. Yes, that is even, one theory. It could even it could even be that it's like you got the marketing department who are just like doing your normal box standard marketing thing, and mm. there's just someone from up top going, "Oh, I saw on Facebook that um, they like that multiverse film. More of that, please." Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's based on the current global situation. Maybe marketing departments function better with the current disruptions than all other business departments. Therefore, everything just has an excess of like marketing productivity. So there's just yeah. more marketing happening because it's you know not disrupted in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, but I mean, there's an, another music example is there's a supergroup that's come out called Kill or Be Killed, mm-hmm. and the they've kind of like come out of fucking nowhere with nearly no sort of promotional budget or anything like that. So there's no Illuminati of, of consumer expectation there. Yeah. There's, they're not going around saying, Oh, we're using Sepultura riffs from the early nineties or anything like that. They're just coming out and bashing out some good music. So it's kind of like, it's a weirdly more substantial success story for that reason. Whereas yeah. if Spider-Man three is any good, I, I'll feel a little bit cheated from the, from missing out on, from from knowing that you know those other two Spider Men are going to be in it, I can, it kind of dilutes the yeah, whole. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to know. Yeah, yeah. The mechanics are different between music and film, but I think like the premise is still there because it's not the core mechanics, really, is it? It's the ancillary sort of business side of it that produces totally. all this. So yeah, yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, what else? We, what, how's how's Deep Rock going? All for, right, context, yeah. for context, we play a game called Deep Rock Galactic, which is a great game. There's um, there's new new modes, isn't there? One where you have to build some pipes, and one where you have to guard a big drill. Right, tell me about that because I haven't seen it yet, and I've been meaning to sort of dip my toes in. So the pipeline, when we only did one of each last night, the pipeline one, it drops a big mine head in, like the extraction ones. But right. then there's points with like blue goo coming out, and you have to go to that, and you sort of press E on it and it builds a pipe out and you build the pipe and you have to build the pipe to like the goo spot and pump up the goo. Right. Then, so obviously all the things come and attack the pipes. Yeah, yeah. And then the drill one is it's like after some really valuable thing, it's like a big drill, like a big vehicle that just drills its way through. And mm. it's like an escort mission for it. Right, okay. Okay, that's cool. And for, I think I should provide more context. So Deep Rock Galactic <laughs> is a four-player cooperative <laughs> cooperative game, multiplayer game, where you're four dwarves and you have to go on mining missions and the mining missions themselves are uh, plentiful in variety and objective. Um, and usually you get dropped onto like an asteroid or a planet or something to mine something or retrieve something and you get attacked by a load of things. It's that. It's left Oops. for dead, but with dwarves and resources instead of zombies and getting to the mm-hmm. end. And pills, yeah. Yeah, and pills. <laughs> no, I might have to give that one another go. I keep getting um, updates from the Battlegrounds 3. Oh, <laughs> our true uh, our true love. Our true calling, yeah, yeah. 
I've made a commitment on this podcast that one of my dream sort of like aspirations is to be a voice on that uh, is to be a voice on that game. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because they were still testing like new um, components and they were asking around for like new voice talent. I was like, I'll do it. Yeah, and then so I'm just thinking about <laughs> naked man is best. <laughs> Which is the oh, best dear. skin, naked man? <laughs> oh dear. But no, so we right. played a bit last night. Yeah. Yeah, when you explain it, because now I got the podcast done at five in the afternoon, it saves me. I've now got a free evening. <laughs> I don't know. Spence was on tonight, didn't it? We should really try and get some more among us going, shouldn't we? After having played it once. Yeah, yeah. What's Joe playing at this point? Ah, oh, you never know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, we're, he's di- we're, now. We're, we're digressing <laughs> dramatically. <laughs> we are. We've we already are. lost the audience. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it time on this. And, Fair uh, and um, yeah, I'll play the outro and then I'll fade this out, 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 out. It's been out, a pleasure. Out, out. Thank you very much.